It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, and welcome to Reconsider. We're doing a quick little update for you today. We're going to talk about ISIS and what's been going on in Syria and Iraq. If you've listened to episode 14, you can probably tell that we're not fans of ISIS. We cursed in that episode. I won't curse now, so we don't have to mark this one explicit, but yeah, those guys suck. Yeah, boo ISIS. That's what we said. So do you remember all those stories last year about ISIS taking over Syria and Iraq and rolling through the Middle East and setting up a caliphate, and they're going to just completely destabilize the world, and it's terrible. And it was. It was some pretty scary stuff. Very scary. We did do a show on it. It was episode two, if you haven't checked it out. It's kind of a quick overview on different ways that you can potentially look at and deal with the ISIS episode. So check uh, the ISIS issue. So check out that episode. But today, we're going to be actually talking about some good news. And I know what you're thinking. What? That's what they're thinking. Exactly. ISIS and good news in the same sentence? That doesn't make sense, but... Doesn't make sense. Luckily, ISIS has recently suffered two massive defeats. So right now, ISIS occupies a good deal of territory in Iraq and Syria, mostly in north-central Iraq, critically, Mosul. Also, the western Anbar region, which you may remember was a pretty scary spot back in 2005-2007. In Syria, they occupy pretty much uh, the barren east and some of the more populous northwest and southwest. But only a little bit of those areas. And their main city of operations is Raqqa, which is essentially hell on earth they're completely in charge there they i mean they punish people with crucifixions it's where you hear all of the really crazy crazy stuff that's going on a lot of it is in uh, in raqqa burying children alive just in case you're sitting there thinking why do we need to to get rid of isis just remember burying children alive oh my god oh it's just terrible well so back in 2014 isis went on like a total romp in iraq which was pretty shocking and embarrassing because, you know, the U.S. was like, hey, we got everyone trained. It's cool. We're going we're gonna to pull out of Iraq and the Iraqi security forces, they're going to take care of everything. And they just ran. Yeah, see you guys. Good luck. Yeah. ISIS, I, I forget which town it was, Eric. You probably know. But when ISIS first advanced and it was kind of like the first time that the Iraqi security forces needed to like actually show that they can put up a defense, they just like dropped their guns and took their uniforms off so that they couldn't be identified and fled. Yeah, it was uh, Fallujah which you may remember from 2003 and 2005, which is a pretty sticky spot, has never liked the government all that much. And in that fight, 
the Iraqi army outnumbered ISIS soldiers 15 to 1 and just broke and ran. Oof. But times they are a-changing. And what I want to talk about is some of the good news. And the reason, one of the reasons I want to talk about it is I actually follow this stuff every day. I'm particularly passionate about seeing ISIS go down in flames. Not much I can do about it right now, but I want to say I follow it in the same way that someone obsessively follows a sports team, but that's just so not appropriate or equivalent. This is something I really care about, and I get really bent out of shape about it. But I've been happy lately, and one of the things that made us decide to do this episode is I keep sharing some good news stuff with Xander. And he said, "What? you know, I don't hear this on the news. So I want to tell you what's going on. So the two key defeats that ISIS has suffered are in Fallujah and Manbij. And we'll talk about those along with some other stuff. So Fallujah was a hotbed of Sunni insurgency back when the United States was trying to occupy Iraq. And it was really bloody for the United States. A lot of door-to-door fighting. Hundreds of American soldiers died in each of those assaults, which is a lot for our kind of op- you know offensive operations. And it was the first city to fall to ISIS. And it's been a huge symbolic sore. It's really close to Baghdad. It's only 80 kilometers away. So it was a little scary. They actually got, back in 2014, they got past Fallujah and they were right around Baghdad. I mean, it was bad news. Now, since then, a ton of stuff has happened. And Ramadi was taken back. So it's the capital of Fallujah. That was six months ago. Sorry, the capital of Anbar. That was six months ago. But Ramadi only had about 300 ISIS fighters in it at the time. And the Iraqi army was over 10,000 strong when they went in. So he sort of said, okay, good work. And they went in slowly in order to not get blown up mostly by traps, snipers, bombs, etc. that have been scattered around. Because ISIS doesn't care who they kill when they're fighting. They just want to make sure that they hold on to their territory. So... Iraqi offensive operations have traditionally been excruciatingly slow and painful. So Ramadi, Baiji, a few places like that, they kind of crawl their way in with massively overwhelming numbers. But Fallujah actually had 4,000 ISIS troops in it, and they fought to the teeth. So what happened was the Iraqi army actually surrounded Fallujah and besieged it for a few months. Now, this was actually really, really hard on the civilian population Part of the problem is that whenever you tried to get relief into the city, ISIS would just take it. And so, to some extent, you either let ISIS keep the city or the civilians are going to starve as you try to retake it. And they said, look, we can't just let them have it, so we're going to go in. So after a couple months of siege, what happened is the Iraqi counterterrorism forces, along with some actually very well-trained Anbar Sunni troops from the Anbar Reawakening... Uh, led the drive in. The regular Iraqi troops kind of came in behind to make sure they could occupy and patrol and clear stuff out. Uh, But these guys punched in. And I predicted actually on my blog, Fog of War, I said, all right, they're in the city. It's probably going to take them about a month. And it took them a week. They just rolled through. It was incredible. There was a lot of coordination with the United States Air Force in order, and, you know, the rest of the coalition in order to provide air support. And the other cool thing that happened was that ISIS finally fled after they lost their last stronghold and they went in this convoy along a highway that was occupied by Iraqi troops and they said uh, let's just bomb them 
And so they set up a Highway of Death 2.0, so if you know anything Worst about... Worst Disneyland ride ever. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so uh, these guys were uh, hundreds and hundreds of ISIS troops, and a lot of vehicles were just totally taken out. Uh, you bomb the front of the convoy, and then the rest get slowed down, and then it's just shooting fish in a barrel. So Anbar is getting very close to being fully liberated because there aren't any big cities that ISIS has there, and they can't really hold on to a lot of stuff. So that was Fallujah. It was huge. It was a symbolic victory. It was a really impressive, very ultimately very fast, once it happened, offensive by Iraqi troops. ISIS put up a stiff, stiff resistance, and the Iraqi troops were able to break through. They didn't break and run. And it was just like, oh, thank goodness. You know, because that's the kind of thing that if you... If you send in your best troops and your best go at it and you retreat, it's just going to be really bad for morale and planning going forward. So that was great. The other big one is Menbij. So uh, if anyone remembers Kobani, there was this period where it looked like ISIS was largely going to sort of take over Kurdish territory in Syria. And they had like reduced Kobani troops there to a few blocks in the city and just by sheer tenacity of the Kurdish YPG and the SDF, which is the, the YPG is Pesh, is Peshmerga. The SDF is the Syrian Democratic Forces who aren't Kurdish, but work with them by sheer tenacity and reinforcements coming from other parts of Kurdistan and tons of coalition air support. They managed to break out of the encirclement and shatter the ISIS offensive. And this is a while ago. They took over most, the Kurds took over most of north central Syria and are like 40 miles outside of Raqqa, kind of just holding on there. They broke west past a river and some lakes recently after rebuilding, a, actually sneaking around the bottom of the lake and then rebuilding the bridge from both sides. Uh, and they broke a major offensive to the west. So this is in northwest Syria. And the reason for this offensive is to cut off ISIS from Turkey. Now, Turkey doesn't like ISIS, but Turkey isn't doing a great job managing the border there. And what happens is a lot of troops and goods get smuggled in through the Turkish border to get to Raqqa. And so cutting this off would largely isolate Raqqa from any outside help. The Kurds originally pushed towards Manbij, were about 12 kilometers out, and got stopped for about a month. And I was sitting there going, ugh, this is no good. But they reinforced themselves and actually like, did an end around. So instead of pushing straight for Manbij, they went north and then south to encircle it in a pincer movement. And they've now closed in on Manbij and are very, very close to having taken the city. A little slower than I thought, but ISIS has about 3,000 troops there. And the YPG forces just have fewer numbers and somewhat less air support and, and less intelligence and artillery to be able to help them out. Uh, but they're closing in. Once they take Manbij they're going to be able to probably take the rest of northwest Syria and cut off Raqqa completely. So huge blows against ISIS recently. And it's really good news, and we haven't heard about it. So the other stuff that's going on right now is that the Iraqi army has recently planted themselves about 80 kilometers south of Mosul by taking an air base back with a massive offensive of 50 armored vehicles that rolled in, according to the Iraqi army, it was mostly coalition airstrikes that just wiped the place clean, and they mostly rolled in just for a quick mop-up. But now they've occupied it, they're rebuilding some stuff that broke during, you know, all the bombing. And they are amassing a huge force to go take Mosul. It's time. 
Kurds some time ago, some months ago, were able to cut off Mosul in the west by retaking uh, Sinjar, which you might be familiar with if you heard about the Yazidi people being super genocided by ISIS for thinking something different than they do. And uh, they retreated to this mountain where they were trying to hold off ISIS and they were getting food parachuted to them and uh, the Kurds were able to bail them out. But ISIS took that and uh, the Kurds took it back. So it cuts off Mosul from the west so they can't be reinforced from Raqqa and the Iraqis have just cut them off from the south. So there's basically no highways out of the greater Mosul area and the Iraqis are ready to move. And when they took it, the counterterrorism forces, which are like actually the really elite guys who spearhead this stuff and are pretty tough, they were told that, okay, we're going to Mosul. And they actually turned on a bunch of, they were out in the desert with their trucks and tanks. It was kind of night. And they turned on some really loud music and just all started dancing because they're so excited to go liberate Mosul and free their people from ISIS. And so I've actually posted that link to that uh, Twitter video on the Reconsider website you know, for this episode. Overall take on this is that the Iraqi army is stiffened big time. They have a strong spear tip with the counterterrorism forces that it's able to use. It's coordinating well with the United States and the Kurds. Kurds themselves are pretty much unstoppable. They're smart. They're really tough. They're gritty. They're well-armed. They're well-trained. And they're obsessed about getting their homeland back from these monsters. So sort of wherever they go, you can anticipate they'll eventually figure it out. The Syrian rebels and the army are fighting each other a lot less and focusing on ISIS. So they've been having some trouble, but they've made a few small wins recently that uh, have really disrupted a lot of ISIS's ability to move around the country. And overall, ISIS has lost about a third of its territory and seems pretty much unable to launch major offensives outside of the Raqqa or Mosul area. So those will be tough nuts to crack. The Syrian army tried to crack Raqqa recently. It wasn't able to. They had to pull back. But right now, ISIS is largely limited in major operations to those two areas. And they're both being cut off. And in the long term, that's a really good sign. So it's been good stuff. I mean, ISIS is looking like they're in serious strategic trouble. Which is awesome. It's finally happening the 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 momentum has been turned around i mean the war is not won but things are adding up in the right direction so what's the point i this is a short show we just wanted to give you a little bit of an update but there's more that we wanted to touch on than just the war seems to be going better now there's a lot of hysteria last year earlier in this year about isis when they're on the move when they're expanding right you may not have noticed as much news recently about their defeats. There's certainly some, but you don't see politicians getting up there and talking about how great of a threat that ISIS is anymore. You certainly don't see leaders getting up, well, at least politicians in America. You don't see a lot of them getting up and saying how great it is that ISIS is getting pushed back. Yeah, and you have a lot of, I mean, there's just a lot of, the common narrative is that we're doing a terrible job of fighting ISIS and they're a major global threat still. I mean, Trump's getting a lot of traction on this, and I think he even said something like, Obama is helping ISIS and like wants them to succeed and stuff like that. But you can just kind of say, you know, since you're not getting the news about it, you can just say over and over again that, oh, I, you know, we haven't been dealing with ISIS well, and we're losing the war and all this stuff. You can just say it as much as you want, and you say it enough without a counter-narrative, and people start to believe it. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit on episode two when we talked about ISIS, 
that perhaps the best strategy, and this is certainly not by any means the most politically appealing strategy, but perhaps the best strategy is death by a thousand cuts. Let them bleed out slowly because if you attack them too hard or you put too many Western troops in the area, that acts as a recruiting tool. And that's more or less been the strategy. Let them... Let, let the weight of their own dysfunction bring them down in the areas where they must actually govern and administer control over territory. While that has happened, the Iraqi security forces have gotten their act together. So the thing is, the news tends to focus on aspects of different issues that cause fear and hysteria. It's not exactly a revelatory statement, but something to consider. For when thinking about other topics that might be good for the news industry, they might not be giving you the full context because there might be one narrow aspect of it that is more sensational and more, well, better for business. So context is what we do here on Reconsider. Yeah, and just a little bonus toolbox talk from me. You know, people might ask, Eric, wait, you're following this every day. How do you follow this every day? And it turns out that if you know where to look, and I... I Man, I, I just my Google Foo might be pretty good. I don't know exactly what's the secret to finding some of the stuff. You can occasionally find some stuff if you poke around Wikipedia long enough. But uh, I was able to find this thing that I've linked called Live UA Map. And what it is, it's a crowdsourced wiki kind of thing where it has a map of current territorial control and when local governments publish press releases or there are tweets there's a lot of tweet you know a lot of people on the ground a lot of soldiers take videos of stuff and they tweet about what's going on commanders will tweet about stuff because to some extent this is a big time propaganda war you know whoever controls the narrative is really in control of hearts and minds or at least that's the attempt they're doing so there's actually a lot of dispersed information coming in and so like wikipedia this is run by volunteers where people will see a tweet it's got a location associated with it you know, and uh, so there were, like, there were like live tweets going on about Fallujah, like step by step. It's like, okay, this block has been cleared or like this building, this major building that was full of ISIS has been cleared. And so you can get these really fine updates about precisely what's going on there. And so, I mean, one of the things that I'm – as much as I, I could rant all day, even though it's not my job, about – Twitter and Facebook and how we use that to respond to news and how we use it to discuss news. I'm not thinking that it's the best thing, but as far as being able to get news stuff that's live on the ground, if you know where to look, there are people that will aggregate a lot of this stuff and give you a pretty, pretty current view of what's going on with the, with stuff that's like largely source, you know, first level source material rather than stuff that's been processed and filtered uh, for you. So it's one of the things I like about the internet. It's one of the things I strive for when I'm trying to learn about something that's going on live right now is, okay, where's my consolidated Twitter feed? You know, what's the hashtag I need to look for for updates on this? So I really like that. If it's something that you're interested in, I encourage it. So that concludes quick update on the war on ISIS in the Middle East. A little quick episode for you. Yeah, good work, Iraqi troops, Kurdish troops, SDF troops. Keep it up. Keep pushing ISIS back. Let's roll these monsters back to the Middle Ages where they came from. So remember, you can find us on the web at reconsidermedia.com slash podcast. 
The podcast is also available on Overcast, iTunes, and Google Play or RSS feeds. On social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at ReconsiderPod. Also, please do leave us a review on whichever platform you use to download or stream our episodes, whether that's iTunes or Overcast or Google Play. The more reviews we get, the higher we're ranked. The more we can get our message out, the more ears we can get listening to the podcast, we would be very appreciative. Also, if you go to reconsidermedia.com slash podcast, you can leave us thoughts on our episodes, ideas for topics you might want us to talk about and do a little research on. Also, feel free to tweet at us with those suggestions. We'd love to hear from you, interact with you, and do topics that are topical for you. So remember, as always... Don't let the pundits do the thinking for you. Pause and reconsider. This is Xander signing off. This is Eric signing off. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.